Hey there everyone, Ronan here again for another episode of This Is Cork Conversations. Thanks for listening. As ever, I find it hard to work out how many people are listening because I use a particular service provider at the moment, it's Podomatic. So I can see how many people are reading, I'd said money rather than money, that's the Freudian slip there. I can see how many people are listening via that um, platform, but it feeds into Spotify and, well, it feeds into whatever way you're listening to this podcast. And I don't get exact numbers from that. So, you know, I assume it's a couple of hundred thousand listeners per hour, but it's really hard to work that out. It would help if the listeners like and share or even just tell me it's good for that. Do, uh, like most podcast people, you're have a Patreon and I went to start a Patreon this morning and I realised I started one over two years ago and I forgot to tell people. So look, this is Cork on Patreon. If you would like to contribute something, that something would be welcomed with uh, open arms slash open PayPal account. I'm just back from a really interesting chat in the Republic of Work. It was, I suppose it was a presentation more so. And on a personal level, I will be applying for some of the stuff that Social Entrepreneurs of Ireland are trying to facilitate. But there was certainly a few guests, people speaking from both the, the, the crowd and the chairs that will definitely be featuring on the podcast in the future. But today's one is a conversation with somebody who is running in the local Shannad elections. Sorry, the national Shannad elections. She's a local person. There's several candidates. I think it's 19 in this particular panel. I would, I know not every listener has a vote. I, I'm under the impression it's about 112,000 people have a vote in this particular panel. If you're listening to this and you don't have a vote, it'd be really appreciated if you just, you know, tell a, f- a flatmate, a lover, <laughs> a friend, uh, anyone you know with a, uh, with a vote, just it would be great if you point them in the direction of this and the candidate Michelle Healy, Healy who we're about to speak with we, I um, I really like what she has to say I really like what she stands for there's other people who maybe I don't particularly like what they stand for and even if people vote just so that those people don't get to have a voice if that makes sense that is something I'm a fan of but now it sounds like I'm I'm hating, as they say, in young people speak on other people. Look, this podcast, pro Michelle Healy, and the next half hour will tell you why. So, as ever, thanks to the people who support this podcast, which is the, the listener um, at Mac, who give me computer help. And by Lord, do I create the need for that computer help. And Badger and Dodo, who make coffee, that gives me help. Um other coffee providers are available of course and hey do you fancy having me big up your company with a slightly different way of phrasing it every episode get in touch because uh, there's there's room for more at the start of the intro anyway look uh, over to yesterday over to the castle inn where I sat down for a conversation with Michelle Healy but firstly over to me so thanks me here we are sat in 
the castle in there uh, in the heart of the original old city of Cork and I'm sitting with somebody who is running to represent the new the new Cork if you will so uh, hello Michelle Healy before we go anywhere tell the listeners why if not the, why they should know you why should they like you <laughs> thanks Ronan and uh, yeah thanks for me back to the castle um, it's a really really beautiful old pub in Cork and it's great to be in this part of the city um, so basically I'm running for the NUI panel in the Shannon and I'm an independent candidate and I'm from Cork and I'm living in Cork and um, I suppose I um, I decided to um, to run because I kind of felt that there is the time and the opportunity actually to bring some new voices into the Arctis and, um, and I want to be one of those voices. I want to be someone who can speak up for people, who can speak up on behalf of people and who can bring a kind of, you know, an, an honest and compassionate voice to Shannon. And, um, and that's, that's why I'm doing it. Mm. Now, the BAI standards would mean if I interviewed you, I'd have to then at least name all the other candidates and all that. But luckily, I'm neither funded. Well, that's unluckily. Unluckily, I'm neither funded, but luckily we don't have to do that. So I can <laughs> and I'm not funded either. Yeah, <laughs> I can officially announce I'm wholeheartedly throwing my whole shoulder behind your campaign. But by virtue of not having a leaving cert nor a college degree, I can't vote for you. Mm. But can you explain to me the and the listeners at home? And I, I am aware some of the listeners probably won't have um, the voting rights mm-hmm. that because as we'll get to I'm going to use the word exclusive I'm not putting that word on you but the, the ability to vote in this particular election is um, not as, not fully accessible to everyone who's listening but perhaps you've colleagues or partners or, or well-to-do in-laws that do have the vote but can you explain what proportion of the people so how many people are you running against mm-hmm. how many of you get into the Shannon and what proportion of the Shannon uh, you're election group makeup. Yeah, sure thing. So there are 19 candidates on the National University of Ireland panel. Okay. And on that panel, there are three seats allocated to it. So there's 19 of us competing for three seats. And how many people, it's six figure issues that is the electorate. So in your at the group? moment, there is 112,000 thereabouts uh, on the electorate for the NUI panel. Um, and basically, to get onto the panel, you need to be a degree graduate of one of the NUI universities, and you need to also be an Irish citizen. And then finally, most importantly, uh, you need to be able to claim your vote. So a lot of people actually are able to vote, but they haven't claimed their entitlement to vote with the NUI. So there's people out there, like for example, even I have you know uh, two sisters who haven't done that, who are UCC graduates who can't vote for me in this election. Uh, luckily, my brother and my dad have registered. <laughs> so you've broke even on your own family. Exactly, there we go. You're yeah. zero for that. But um, but um, you gave me some information earlier, which means I might run for the next one. You don't actually need to be a graduate yourself, is it? No. Yeah, it's very interesting. So you don't have to be an NUI graduate to run but you need to be nominated by um, a number of graduates on your nomination mm. papers. So let, let's talk about that. At what point, give me a timeline mm. of, at what point were you always humouring the idea of a, this is public office, oh, I, I give that a shot, or was it sort of three glasses of wine, you were reading the <laughs> newspaper going, someone has to make a difference, it's me who make the difference, or did somebody say, Hey Michelle, have you ever thought about running for the Shannon? And you went, 
I've never thought about it, now I'm thinking about it, yes I will. Talk me through that and who did you get to nominate you? Yeah, sure thing. So maybe it's a bit of all the above. <laughs> so I suppose, you know what, I, I studied politics okay. in university, in UCC, 20 years ago. I just want to point out to the people listening, you might be hearing doors shutting, uh, but we're being positive and it's doors opening for it's Michelle. doors Isn't opening, exactly, yeah. yeah, there's always a door opening. Uh, so I studied Government and Public Policy um, in UCC. And um, so it's kind of funny, so I actually have a degree in politics. Yeah. And then I went on and I did a master's in human rights law. Um, so um, I, I obviously spent a lot of time in, in Queen's University Belfast studying children's rights, women's rights, international law, Europe, the European uh, human mm. rights law. So, um, and when was this? And this was, oh my God. Um, so I graduated from UCC in 2005 and from Queen's University in 2006. Mm. So... You know, so technically, I suppose, you know, people would look at me and they'd be like, oh, well, you know, you're a political person. But I never actually got involved in politics in Ireland. I've never been a member of a political party. And I suppose um, my interests were always in, like, going overseas, being humanitarian, working for the UN, and kind of, um, you know, kind of in that side of things. And I think, you know, as you grow up and you get older, I started kind of realising that actually, you know, here I am overseas trying to make all this change when actually maybe I'm best placed at home. And the more I kind of, I, you know, I was coming home a lot during the years mm. that I was away. I was always regularly coming home. And um, I wasn't able to vote as an expat um, in Irish elections when I was away. Was very, very, I was very, very aware of that, that I, I didn't have my entitlement to vote, even though I'd be coming back to this country eventually, and I knew that, and settling here again. And, um, and then also, I suppose, when the recession happened, and then when, the, you know, there was also the, equality refer- the marriage, marriage equality referendum, um, you know, those kind of things started kind of piquing my interest again in terms of like, oh, what's happening in Ireland? And actually, you know, maybe I should be back at home yeah. making a change. So, um, so yeah, so then I suppose I was working in UCC the last three years and um, I think being back in Ireland and being back in Cork and kind of, I suppose, meeting with students, meeting with staff a lot, talking about issues affecting them, um, particularly policy issues, actually, that would come up in the public mm-hmm. service. I started realizing, actually, you know what? Um, maybe this is something that, not even that I can do, but maybe it's something that I should do. Because mm. at the end of the day, if no one stands, and it's really scary to stand, like it, it was the most frightening decision of my life to hand in those nomination papers on the 14th of February to the NUI. And I've walked through minefields, like literally, I've mm. walked through fields of bombs. <laughs> and this is really scary because to put yourself out there is very difficult in the public eye. But if we don't do it, and if no one stands, then you know the public doesn't have a choice mm. and it's really important that we give them a choice. I was going to say we'll, we'll put a pin in that point mm. but that's literally what you do with a grenade but we're going <laughs> to move back from the landmine thing and as you said like, so I, I've known you for several years now and I, I know your family and we're from the same neck of the woods. When I grew up it was the country but it's sprawled out to where I am so you're a bishop and I'm uh, Ballinora but you used the phrase when, when you came back and you used the phrase you refer to when you worked abroad but so a lot of people of your generation which is annoyingly year, years younger than my generation did you move away going I'll come back eventually or have you moved away for like a year-long project and you moved home and you were never sure like were you in your mind were you gone from Ireland or were you always humoring like waiting for an opportunity to come back or were you in terms of humanitarian work, we, we're—I don't want to call them opportunities, but mm. things arising where you're like, "I fit that criteria. I'm in." Mm. That's really interesting. I've never thought about that way before, and now that you're 
now that you've asked me the question I've never left Ireland mm. um, you know I, I went away you know, I went and I did a one year masters in Queens and then I had a one year contract that was still Ireland that in, was still in terms Ireland. of political yeah, <laughs> um, so and then I went away and I had a one year contract with UNICEF in Kenya and then I came back to Ireland for a short while and then I went away again and it was a six month contract which again got extended and you know I spent you know kind of the bulk of a decade overseas in Africa and the Middle East working for the United Nations and international NGOs but I was always coming home I was probably home at least three times a year if not maybe mm. more than that it's actually kind of funny there's a couple of my friends who live in Dublin and stuff and like you know at one point they're like Michelle you're back in Cork more than us mm. <laughs> But I suppose when you got family at home, when you got you know elderly parents, and also when you just you know, I might have to edit that. I, I, I'm okay. sure your parents don't identify as elderly; they're just older than us. There we go. Um, you've lost a vote. You're down to minus one in the Healy house. He's, he's already voted. Yeah. <laughs> um, but there's something about I don't know. There's I suppose I felt the the pull back to Ireland, mm-hmm. and now that I'm here, I came home for a contract in UCC, and again. You know, people would say, you know, like, oh, you, you're going overseas again. And I, I, I suppose I find it difficult to to say um, something's forever. I really believe that you just have to go with the flow in life. And, um, you know, you, you don't know what the future is going to throw at you. And, you know, for sure, this time last year, I never thought I'd be in this situation running for, for an election uh, for the Shannon. And it's kind of incredible to just um, take the opportunities as they come to make change. You know, mm. that's what I'm trying to do now. Now, one of your most recent jobs abroad, so which, you know, relatively recent, and that's when I first met you when I, my understanding is it was when you returned, but maybe you were on a break from it, but it was about five years ago. You, So a lot of people voted a few years ago about keeping the Shannon at all. Mm. And a lot of people, oh, it's defunct, blah, blah. and. Ironically, a lot of the people who have a vote, this 112,000, possibly voted against having the Shannon in the first place. Because, oh, it's antiquated, it has no real change, blah, blah. But you, you were very part of a process of a country getting mm. democracy. Yeah. And a country literally forming. Mm. So, could, could you talk about your experiences? We're, we're, we're talking uh, quiz lovers. It's still the most recent country in the world. It's um, <laughs> If you've an outdated Weetabix atlas, it's not even there. But it was when um, South Sudan, um, what would you call it? Didn't leave North Sudan, but it, it became its own. It became a new country. Yeah. yeah. So you were there, what, in what capacity were you there? And yeah. what was your role? You were, were you watching? You weren't um, like... Uh, canvassing for people to go for it. It was a referendum, was it? Yeah, so basically there was a referendum for independence in Sudan. Mm. And it was held, um, it was part of the peace agreement from 2005 that they would hold this referendum. Mm. And they eventually did. And the majority of South Sudan voted to leave the north Mm. or to leave Sudan as a country. And um, so I was there for the referendum and then I was there for the subsequent actual uh, physical, you know, uh, act of self-determination when, you know, on July 9th, uh, 2011, um, at midnight, South Sudan became effectively the newest nation state in the world. And I was there actually with Mines Advisory Group. So I was working on landmine clearance programs mm. initially. So we we're doing landmine clearance across the country. The country was devastated by landmines uh, during the 40 long civil war, 40 year long civil war, and running um, risk education programs with adults and with children, and working with national government and with the armed forces in terms of securing their weapons and um, destroying weapons and all the rest. So I was working 
initially in that capacity mm. and then I actually um, changed jobs when I was there and I worked with um, another organisation that had a broader remit in terms of working with civil society so a lot of those programmes are working with the new government and um, and also working on programmes like healthcare and education. Mm. And that was obviously, I'm using the, the broad sense of the word frontline, I don't know where you were the frontline of the mine clearance and stuff but creating democratic organizations and infrastructure from scratch is different to running for the Shannon now but you're literally standing for election but could I ask what you stand for like what mm. would be your key issues yeah so I suppose um, like firstly I suppose I'm standing you know from a point of um, integrity and compassion I think that we need to have people who um, who listen to people, who listen to civil society, who listen to grassroots organisations and who feed back their concerns and their reality to our octus. And then I suppose more specifically then, like, I mean, my kind of main priority issues would be around um, definitely education after working in the higher education sector in Ireland and ensuring that there is continued direct funding for education, ensuring that there's access to education for particularly marginalised groups mm. and that there is um, support for special needs support in schools. Um, also that I suppose um, healthcare and childcare are the big issues for me. A lot of my friends at the moment, you know, um, they've, they've just, you know, they're, they're people I know, they are living with their parents and they can't get their kids into childcare, they can't, um, you know, afford a mortgage, they can't get a mortgage, etc. Um, so the housing and homeless issue is also um, something that's really important to me. And then in general, I suppose having a human rights background, in general, I suppose providing an equality lens to legislation is really important. And, um, and then also, um, the other kind of two issues then would be around climate action and sustainable transport. Mm. I'm a cyclist in Cork and um, I, I really believe that we need to have more funding into active and sustainable transport in the, across the country, but particularly in towns. And, um, and then also Shannad reform. Um, mm. I think, you know, if we have a Shannad that is really, truly, um, I suppose, putting you know money where its mouth is it's about enacting Shannon reform as quickly as possible mm. well there's a lot there to unpick um, we're recording this on uh, Monday yesterday was International Women's Day um, spoiler alert to anyone listening at home you are a you're a lady person there we go. I am I identify now, as a lady person I have I did not have the chance to read through the 19 candidates for your election some of the most high-profile senators uh, in recent years, well, as, to be fair, I think Ivana Bacic would be one of the most high-profile ones. But where, where are we in terms of the ratio of females in the Shannad? Mm -hmm. How important is because you come from that? There's nothing I begrudge more than people who are about ten years younger than me. That's <laughs> my biggest bugbear, because you know I. I you know, I'm, I'm so conscious of the, the slight societal changes that I wish I'd be there when I was growing up. Now, I know there's quota systems and all that kind of thing, but how important is it for a female who's lived internationally? Mm. Because that's one thing I always notice is so many people in public office and also the civil servants who run the city and country, they've never lived anywhere else. They have no idea of what mm. another country can be like. Is that a voice you'd be bringing or is that? Am I just projecting my hopes onto you? I hope. I hope so. I, <laughs> I hope that's the voice that I'm bringing. Um, you know, I'm turning thirty-seven, 
um, in May and um, you know I think it's kind of interesting because I've had you know 15 years professional experience uh, majority with 10 years of which has been overseas with you know in a senior capacity with the UN and NGOs and also in a senior capacity in the education sector in Ireland and I think I you know I have a lot of life experience um, in terms of the fact that I've lived in very very different places to Ireland um, in some in, in some cases tough places but also like Bishopstown. Ireland is tough yeah. and Bishopstown yeah. is tough but you know um, everything's relative you know and um, and you know there are people living in Ireland also going through some really tough situations I wouldn't you know um, belittle that at all yeah. um, but just very very different when you're dealing with fledging governments or you're dealing in a you're working in a country where you don't speak the language fluently you're working in a highly militarised environment you're working with a lot of men um, you know who are in the military um, and kind of you know kind of working away kind of through that um, can be quite difficult so I think there's in terms of diplomacy negotiation um, and having kind of you know those kind of conflict management skills that's definitely something I can bring mm. and um, and then also being a woman um, just you know 25% of the outgoing Janet was female and um, at the moment there are two of the three um, seats are currently um, male on the NUI panel um, definitely I think it's really important to have female voices in the Arctis and in our government and in, in local councils because if we don't have a, I suppose and even beyond that not even just female voices but diverse voices you know we need to like move on from the same having the same type of representative sitting there because they're not they, they can only speak from their own perspective and, um, and I think diversity is really really key and, um, and at the moment you know we just have one TD, um, one female TD from Cork County, um, Holly Carnes, and um, you know there's some there's some constituencies out there who don't have any female TDs representing them. So um, so yeah, I think it's really important. There's, I I just realised I, sh- I should have done a conflict of interest or a full disclosure at the start. Uh, my second cousin, first removed, was in the Shannon. Up till I think five years ago, so just in ca- just in case that that comes out in some sort of Twitter thread. <laughs> but that's interesting, uh, Holly Kearns, I I've never met her. I admire her from afar. Why was there any reason you never went to a party? Like mm. I always remember my uh, primary school reports, and it still reflects so, so true to me. I, I've often thought about using it in LinkedIn, which is uh, does not work well in groups. Was it was was it just your lifestyle career? You you couldn't join a party because like there's one or two parties um, that I would personally gravitate towards, mm. but I wouldn't be able to make monthly meetings. Uh, the canvassing, you know, I work nights, blah blah. So I couldn't justify it. Was it a simple fact of no one ticks all your boxes, or being an independent voice is what's driving you? Mm. I suppose growing up in Ireland, you know, in the eighties and nineties, um, I kind of felt they were all the same actually. Like you know, yeah. in, in terms of like you know the, the two main parties that we happen to get up in the fall, I never really saw the difference actually between them. And um, and I suppose I, yeah, I never got involved in party politics. Um, and in in university, I suppose my time was spent on the students' union in UCC. Mm as opposed to being involved in party politics. And now I kind of feel like that there is a really big opportunity for having independent voices, strong independent voices, who aren't, voices, you know what, Who people who aren't thinking about their next career move 
in their party. People who aren't thinking, am I going to get on the next ticket for the dog? People who aren't thinking, where is this going to bring me in five, ten years' time within my party? And, um, and of course, there's a place for parties, you know, within our political system. There's also a place for independent voices. Mm. And at the moment, I think that's where I can serve best. Um, and I don't have a party at the moment that I particularly align to. Maybe that might change in the future. Who knows? Um, but that's just where I am at the moment. Mm. Uh, speaking of, uh, one thing a party gives you, obviously, is the machine, the funding, mm, yeah. the, the cheap deals, on <laughs> the discounted deals with printers and all this kind of stuff. So can we talk about your multinational companies that are investing in your campaign? Or, can we talk about your budgeting and your... Um, salary plans. Yeah, that's no, I don't think it's called a salary, is it? It's okay. Assuming you get in, fingers crossed, we all do, and uh, that you do get in. You have plans with the the money you receive. Mm. I don't know if it's called a salary, but first let's talk about your budgeting. Yeah, who's, sure. Who's who's your sugar daddy on this campaign? I'm my own sugar daddy. <laughs> so I'm self-funding my campaign. Um, uh, there's other candidates who, you know, they, they, they might be in a political party, so perhaps they're having, they're, they're getting support, I'm not too sure. Other candidates have GoFundMe campaigns, etc. Um, when I decided to run, which was, I made the decision maybe, you know, in the middle of February, you know, towards the end, towards the start of February, middle of February, I decided that I would just fund my own campaign and that I wouldn't ask people for funding, but I'd ask them for their support, for their voice and for their, for their first support. And um, just so you know, a lot of people don't know, um, how much um, senators and TDs are paid? Mm. Do you know how much they're paid? I know TDs <laughs> get paid a lot. I always, my, I, you've caught me on this week. Yeah. I always assume senators get paid very little, but the expenses are great. That was my understanding of it. Okay. Do you want me to tell you? Or will this be a quiz question? Well, I'm already <laughs> jealous because, as, as you said, you don't actually need to be a graduate to run. So I'm already thinking I'll run myself. Uh, yeah, for publicity alone. Uh, let me know. Okay, so um, a senator is paid, I think, sixty-eight thousand wow. a year, and I think TDs are above. They're in the nineties. I don't know exactly mm. what figure it is, but it's ninety-something thousand a mm. year, and that's just a, a kind of you know your regular TD yeah. getting in as opposed they're, to TDs yeah. with other. They're not the guys um, doing. The, you know, they're slogging their way up the the motorway at a high. Uh, so I rate, suppose you know what I was. I think it's fair to pay. It's it's. If you're doing your job well, it's fair to get a good salary. And definitely if you're, you know, really being, as in, I suppose for me, it's not a job, it's a service. You're being a public servant, you're being a public representative, and you're, you're going to always be on. If you're doing your job well, you'll always be on duty. You know, there'll always be something going on. It's not a, you know, a certain number of days a week. To the listeners back home, you might have heard some breaking glasses there. I think it was just somebody overhearing how much senators and TDs get paid uh, because um, would I be right in assuming uh, there isn't an obligation on a senator to leave their job that's or is like, it a full time that's a good question sitting? I don't think there is because no, I, I don't know for mm. sure but I do know that there were senators there was who a were report still lecturers like they're referred to as lecturers and GPs not, and stuff and, mm. and like maybe lawyers I'm not too sure um, I, so basically the Shannon meets normally on a Tuesday Wednesday and Thursday I'm not busy then at all You're very How good very good there you still go still suits me this job um, yeah. and so it, it sits the, the weeks that the doll sits but also like twice a year yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then depending on how much legislation is going through the doll they actually might even sit less days because mm. if there's not enough legislation being pushed through there's nothing for them to review so basically a lot of people look at it like oh it's a three-day week job it's paid a lot of money but to be fair i think 
you know, if I was doing the job, it wouldn't be three days. I mean, my, I'd be spending three days in Dublin. I live in Cork and I'm going to continue living in Cork. I think it's really important that we have regional voices in the Shannon. There's a lot of people in the Shannon at the moment who just live in Dublin. And I feel like it's very Dublin-centric. Mm. So, you know, my other days, I'll be down in Cork or Munster or travelling elsewhere in the country to meet with people, to see what's happening in the ground, to meet with civil society. And, you know, it is a full-time job. And unfortunately, there are people who um, mightn't look at it that way. And um, I think there was a report done um, in the Irish Times before Christmas looking at the number of senators who were actually present on voting days. And the mm. percentage was very low. And they're still picking up their expenses, and I think it's uh, I think it's really really sad mm. that people who've been given this amazing honour to represent people and to make decisions on their behalf aren't even showing up for work. Mm. This is where I'm going to insert a, a personal editorial thing, <laughs> and there's no way Michelle agrees with me, but there are other candidates in the race, and I just want to say, you know, with the whole. Uh, hashtag me too and then there's always the hashtag not all men I just want to say hashtag not all Ronans are worth uh, voting for but okay assuming you get in as a senator do you envisage your role being like an advocate a watchdog a czar um, somebody who's there to stir it up or like have you kind of visualised what you want to be doing like it's one thing to get in the door it's another thing what are you going to do when you're in the mm. door because that's what people would be voting yeah. for yeah yeah you know I think the Shannon is a place where you can speak up and have your voice heard and you can speak up on behalf of other people who don't have the opportunity to speak up who don't have the opportunity to tell their story um, I actually love storytelling <laughs> um, uh, one of my favourite weekends of the year is the Cape Clear Storytelling Festival and, um, and actually telling a story is really valuable, it's really important and, um, and we need people who can tell those stories um, in the Oireachtas. So being an advocate is really important, it's something that I've done for a long time in various uh, ways at the moment, I'm, I'm still doing it now, I'm on the UCC governing body and I'm an advocate for students and staff on that board. And I think we need fighters, you know, I think we need people who just want to change things and want to stir things up and want to shake things up. And I'm definitely not your typical politician or your typical public servant. Um, uh, you know, I'm, I suppose I, I, I am outspoken and I have no problem saying that. Um, if something isn't right, mm. if people aren't being treated fairly and if there are silly procedures or policies in place that are stopping people from um, living decent lives, I think it needs to be changed. And we need to have people who have the courage and conviction to stand up and say that and to bring to shed a public light on issues that otherwise might go on soon. Mm. Now, I have a few notes written, as ever I, as ever I do, and most of them are... I'm, I'm always conscious of people stealing my ideas, so whenever I write notes for myself, they're incomprehensible to anyone else. <laughs> but a uh, bit of a alliteration here with uh, three C's and the four, because we're in Cork, so that's always the first C. You're a candidate, but a candidate really is a mixture particularly you're a candidate let's be fair you're not a well-known candidate by virtue of having not run for public office before but to me uh, a candidate in your respect is a career multiplied by your character mm. now is there things we haven't covered that you think would be pertinent to the voter or is there something you'd like to un, uh, under underline as particularly important um yeah i suppose my i suppose 
I kind of consider myself to be a regular person, if that makes sense, you know? And then I have my friends are saying, Michelle, you're not a regular person. Oh my God, you've done all these things. But you know, for me, like, it's mm. like, no, I'm just a regular person. And, and um, it's a regular person who does irregular things. Who reg- like, exactly. Yeah. You know, and who's got regular friends. And I've got friends who can't get houses. I've got friends who can't get their kids into childcare. I've got friends who, you know, aren't um, able to find jobs that pay decently in terms of the cost of living for their city. Michelle, you need better friends. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> and, you know, and I think we need people with passion for people if that makes sense mm. and we need people who care and we need people with heart and we need people with compassion who are going to stand up and who are going to try to change things for the better and that's the type of person I am I'm I've spent my whole life working like this for other people and I suddenly it just dawned on me when I decided to run for this that actually maybe everything in my whole life has been gearing me up for this in a weird way you know and maybe I had to go away and to get all that experience to bring that back home and maybe I had to go through all these things to finally be in the place where I am where I actually have the courage to say you know what I'm me um, and I'm going to be myself and I'm going to you know as, as tough as it is to not get sucked up into the kind of political ruthlessness of mm. campaigns and all the rest I'm going to be true to myself and be honest and you know to say I'm going to bring integrity and a different type of voice to Shannon and um, and on top of that the funny thing is I was looking at the flyer when, uh, when we designed it you know and I was looking at the back and I was like looking at my qualifications and why I'm running and I suddenly looked at it and I was like oh my god you know I was like I'm really qualified for this job you know like I have the right experience I've got the right skills I've got 15 years professional experience I've managed like a hundred million euros worth of projects all around the world in really tough places and I get things done and I think they're the type of people we need okay well on that note uh, I think that that covers everything in case a listener has a follow-on question are we talking Twitter go to your website and email you directly what would be your preferred way of uh, and sorry if someone here just wants to listen and follow you to see where if they'll give you your vote or not what's the best way of contacting or following you yeah sure so you can go to my website which is www.michellehealy.ie and you can also follow me on twitter and my handle is at michellehealy underscore one and give give her your number one vote there we go there we go thanks very much uh, michelle i look forward to our next meeting being in the doll bar or wherever <laughs> uh, wherever you can bring me and i'll be a media insider but uh, thanks very much and best of luck thank you Owen.